This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the Department of Health reports 131 new fatalities from COVID-19. Four of those victims were from out of state. The rest were residents of Florida. The president is at the Orlando Sanford International Airport tonight for another Make America Great Again rally. Florida GOP Chairman Joe Gruder says the Sunshine State is a must-win for Donald Trump. Florida is obviously the big prize. Uh, we have to win Florida to win the presidency, and, uh, and, and things are looking very good here. More from Senator Gruders during the Sunrise interview. Democrats are still grumbling over Trump's behavior during the first presidential debate, and Jewish members of Florida's congressional delegation are infuriated over his refusal to denounce white supremacy when he was asked point blank. Do you condemn white supremacists and racists and anti-Semites? It's the easiest question to answer, and he wouldn't do it. He passed on the opportunity to condemn white supremacists. Plain and simple, I think Donald Trump is a racist. I think he's repeatedly demonstrated that he's a racist. He doesn't care about people and especially doesn't care about hurting people who don't look like him. With the election little more than a month away, progressive groups say they'll be pulling out all the stops to make sure people get the chance to vote. I can see all of the warning signs of what is to come in this election. Mail-in ballots will be the hanging chads of 2020. Florida Congressman Darren Soto has a bone to pick with FEMA. He wants them to explain why billions of dollars appropriated by Congress to help Puerto Rico recover from Hurricane Maria three years ago has yet to arrive. Puerto Rico has received less than half of the $42 billion we allocated nearly three years ago. Uh, and uh, that's just an astounding fact along with the claims that are outstanding. So these are things we need to continue to work on. And it's not just FEMA. Private insurance companies are also stiffing policyholders in Puerto Rico to the tune of $1.6 billion. We'll also check out your calendar of events and check in with a Florida man who went to jail over milk and a Florida woman who was arrested after asking deputy if he wanted to smoke some pot with her. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Friday, October 2nd. This is the International Day of Nonviolence, which honors the birthday of Mahatma Gandhi, who pioneered the philosophy and the strategy of nonviolence. The Florida Department of Health reports 132 new fatalities from COVID-19 and more than 2,600 new cases of the disease. There have now been 14,619 deaths and more than 709,000 cases statewide. The governor's been saying all along that young people are nowhere near as vulnerable as the people over the age of 65 and that college students should be able to get back to a normal life. They are not, however, invulnerable. FSU meteorology student Catherine Payne Gooding died of COVID-19 Saturday. She was a runner, a yoga instructor, a former student at the Naval Academy, and was only 23 years old. The cause of death is not listed in her obituary, but it was disclosed in an internal email from the FSU Department of Meteorology. Donald Trump is in Central Florida tonight for a campaign rally at the airport in Sanford, but he's still taking flack over Tuesday night's debate. Three Jewish members of Florida's congressional delegation held a joint conference to denounce the president's refusal to denounce white supremacy, beginning with Debbie Wasserman Schultz of Broward. We face a real and serious threat of domestic terrorism in this nation. We've seen it over and over and over again, and we've experienced it in the Jewish community uh, in, in particular. And it's clear that, that Donald Trump only wants to pour gasoline on that fire. When pressed by moderator Chris Wallace to condemn white supremacy in militia groups, Trump refused to condemn the Proud Boys, a well-known hate group, especially here in Florida. Stand back and stand by, was what the president said. Trump chose to embolden a group the ADL has identified as anti-Semitic 
misogynist, Islamophobic, nationalist, and worst of all, violent. And the Proud Boys didn't miss the message from Donald Trump. They heard a rallying cry. These extremists are swearing their allegiance to Trump and using his words to activate and energize their violent followers. Instead of apologizing or retracting his debate remarks, Trump yesterday instead feigned ignorance, as he always does, saying he didn't know who the Proud, Boy, Proud Boys were and, and told them to stand down. As Jewish Americans, we know just what kind of hatred that comments like this can foment or unleash. Trump had that chance to speak out against injustice, and once again, like clockwork, he refused. It's as if he'll say anything except condemning the white supremacy that is surging in our nation. Remember, part of the reason Joe Biden entered this race was because he was so troubled by Trump's comments about his declaration that there were, quote, very fine people on both sides after deadly violent racist protests in Charlottesville. And right now, as Floridians vote in the most significant election of our lifetime, Trump is helping assemble what could be potential poll watching patrols who are known for white supremacy and violence. We cannot let Trump walk away from his racist actions, and we must not allow our democracy to be hijacked by white nationalist extremists. Congressman Ted Deutsch of Palm Beach County says Trump's refusal to denounce white supremacy has galvanized the bigots and scared the hell out of our allies overseas. When Donald Trump says stand by to the Proud Boys, international leaders see that. They know what it means. They're just as concerned as we are that Trump's words can lead to violence. I heard it from, uh, from members of parliament from several countries this week after the debate. When um, when Trump went beyond standby and then told the Proud Boys that someone's got to do something about the left, he didn't just merely refuse to condemn white supremacy, which would be enough for us to know that he shouldn't, he, he's not fit to lead this moral effort on behalf of America to fight hatred and anti-Semitism worldwide. But he didn't just do that. Uh, when he told the, the Proud Boys, his members with white supremacist group, when he told them to stand by, he finished by saying that someone's got to do something about the left. This is not a right-wing problem. That's the president of the United States seeming to encourage right-wing extremist violence. And it, it's not a mistake or a misstatement. It matches what his administration has done. So if you look at, at the president's willingness to welcome anti-Semitic uh, press outlets, as they call themselves, into the White House by giving them press credentials, or you see the way the president uh, speaks about the anti-Semitic, racist, conspiracy theory theorist of QAnon, and is only too happy to accept their support, you realize how significant this problem is. Foreign policy has to be consistent with our moral leadership. It's the president who sets that tone. And Donald Trump's behavior makes us weaker on the world stage. Congresswoman Lois Frankel of West Palm Beach says the president's embrace of white supremacy groups is putting extremists into the mainstream of American politics. We all know Trump was rude, abusive, he told lies, but uh, it was horrifying when he told the Proud Boys to stand by. And look, you know, he doesn't just embolden the Proud Boys. He's given permission to a new generation of hateful Republicans, just like my general election opponent here. And these, these folks spew the same toxic 
message. And folks, I'm telling you, this is happening right here in Palm Beach County. In fact, a handful of proud boys just attended a meet and greet for my general election opponent. And who was at her primary night election? Roger Stone and the Proud Boys founder, Gavin McInnes, who spoke on her behalf. So this is not something that's just happening in Georgia or Colorado. We see the effects of Trump's character right here in Palm Beach County. We poured fuel on the fire when it comes to QAnon and other groups that spur wild and dangerous conspiracy theories. Terrorist organizations like the Proud Boys believe these conspiracies and they act on them. In the past, uh, they've always been imaginative conspiracies, but never before has a president amplified them. And if we allow this to continue, people with outlandish and extremist views uh, like my opponent will flourish within the Republican Party and within American politics. It's not just enough to win this election. We need to restore dignity to the entire political system and oust extremists and conspiracy theories from our culture. The general election is now just one month and one day away. And let's face it, Florida has been the poster child for electoral dysfunction since the 2000 election, when it took more than a month to call the race because of all the recounts. Judith Brown Dianis was one of the lawyers who sued the state over that election, and she's getting a feeling of deja vu. As someone who litigated the 2000 uh, case of NAACP versus Harris, um, I can see all of the warning signs of what is to come in this election. Mail-in ballots will be the hanging chads of 2020. We know that there will be uh, party officials and, and poll watchers who will seek to, uh, to invalidate the votes of people, especially people of color. And that groups like ours and the ones on this call will be aggressively uh, ensuring that voters know what their rights are and the ability to cure those ballots. Uh, but we know that this will be, there will be an, an aggressive attack on the votes of people of color. We also know that there will be uh, confusion about where to vote uh, because of the closing of polling places in uh, this pandemic that we are voting in. And we saw that in the primary, but again, uh, through voter education, our groups will be working to ensure that voters who decide to vote in person uh, will have the information that they need and um, we will encourage them to vote by any of the options that they feel comfortable with because we do not want them to choose between voting and their health. And then lastly, we know that um, Trump has uh, definitely uh, encouraged his, um, his base, especially those who he has told to uh, stand down and stand by, to be at polling places to intimidate voters. And that we expect that they will be out in force. Um, we've already seen uh, the lies about the, uh, and misinformation about poll watchers. Um, poll watchers actually 
by law have to sign up to be poll watchers to be in a polling place. Um, and we expect to see some of that and increase challenges to, to voters. Um, but again, uh, because we know how important this election is, our organizations will be out and about to, uh, to protect voters. Um, we will make sure that uh, police departments who have, in, including those who have, um, where police chiefs and sheriffs have, uh, have supported, have vocally and outwardly supported uh, Trump in his candidacy, uh, do not engage in efforts to intimidate voters. So there will be a lot in this election and it will be messy, but uh, we know that uh, voter turnout will um, will overcome uh, the suppression efforts. So how do you fight voter suppression in a state where the people in charge seem to do everything they can to make it more difficult? Andrea Mercado runs a group called New Florida Majority that tries to convince young people and people of color that they can shift the balance if they register and vote. We've been governed by one party in Tallahassee for the past 20 years, um, and the Republican Party has done everything in their power um, to suppress the vote and constrict and constrain our democracy. You know, voter registration directly impacts and expands the electorate. And in Florida alone, there are over 4 million people of color and young people that are eligible to vote and are not registered or are registered to vote and are not voting. And we see that as our mission and mandate. And in the face of disinformation efforts that aim to advance skepticism on vote by mail and people's fear that their votes won't be counted, um, in the face of the president emboldening white supremacist vigilantes and trying to intimidate people to stay home, um, we are living into our democratic ideals um, to register, protect, and count every vote, and then hold elected officials accountable to the communities that they represent. So whether you're black or brown or white, um, in this moment, we're each called to marshal all of our talents, our privileges, our resources to defeat fascism and deliver a crushing blow um, to white supremacy and the deep inequality that exists in our nation that's been exposed by the COVID pandemic. And when we reject these messages of, of fear and division, when we join forces with people from all walks of life, we are able to build the power to win. Um, and I truly believe that our vision for the future is too vibrant to allow it to be taken away. And while stirring racial anxiety in the face of changing demographics is the right wing strategy to win elections and hold on to power, increasingly everyday Americans really hunger for a nation where all of us belong. We know that the 1965 Voting Rights Act and lesser known protections passed in 1975 to protect language minorities were badly needed and have been under persistent attack ever since. And, you know, we've seen in states, uh, right-wing legislatures exploiting the opportunity to make it harder to vote, passing strident voter ID laws. Here in Florida, we have signature no-match laws and laws on making ballot initiatives increasingly difficult to pass. And acts of outright voter suppression um, in 2018 certainly demonstrate that this fight is far from over. And in, here in Florida, we're launching the most ambitious election protection effort we've ever seen um, in the state of Florida with guardians of democracy doing election protection and monitoring early voting sites in communities with majority minority precincts um, in over 10 counties. 
we believe Florida can be the vanguard of our nation's democratic renewal, um, and that all of us have a role to play in the effort to protect and expand democracy. Of course, there are plenty of Floridians who like things just the way they are, because the system works, at least for them. Next up on the Sunrise Interview, we talk with Joe Gruders, a state senator from Sarasota who moonlights as chairman of the Republican Party of Florida. But first, a word from our sponsors. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. Predict It is like the stock market for all things politics. Instead of trading stock in companies, you're investing money into your opinions on everything from election results to how many times President Trump will tweet this week. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Our podcast listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. Try it today. Welcome back to Sunrise. Most of the voices you've heard on the show today are people who have a problem with Donald Trump. So we checked in with Joe Gruders, a state senator from Sarasota, who also serves as chairman of the Republican Party of Florida. Quite frankly, he is stoked about the president's rally tonight at the airport in Sanford. Well, this is his adopted state. He loves Florida. He, he's been been coming here for a long time. Spend, spend, he's spent a lot of time both prior to him getting elected to president and both while he was campaigning four years ago. And now this is Florida is obviously the, 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 the big prize. Uh, we have to win Florida to win the presidency. And, uh, and, and things are looking very good here. You know, we've hit over 2 million doors on the ground. We've had, I think, over 18 million voter contacts. We have 62,000 volunteers. We've got over 5,000 different mini events from MAGA meetups to bus tours. Uh, things are, the, 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 we have 190 staffers that are essentially uh, working like a machine. And the, the rally will just be uh, one more thing that we're going to add into the, everything that we're doing that I think collectively will help us win November 3rd. You know, this campaign is not necessarily about persuasion. It's about turning out your vote. Uh, and that's what the party does best. You know, we've been successful because we've had that seamless transition uh, in working relationship with the Republican National Committee, the Trump campaign. We're all together. We've been we've been hammering it for uh, a long time. And uh, and we're looking forward to seeing them in person. You know, you, you got to ask yourself, you know, uh, People are surprised sometimes when they go to a rally. It's like a football game, uh, but everybody's cheering for the same team. And you have, uh, you know, thousands of people, literally tens of thousands of people uh, that are all committed to, to, to helping uh, the, what I think is the, the America's best president that we've ever had uh, continue on for another four years. And I think that uh, it's going to be exciting. There's going to be a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, people are uh, uh, really ready to, 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 to get him elected so we, so we can ensure another four years. So. so how is Donald Trump the best president we've ever had? Well, because he's, he's been the president during record unemployment uh, the, the, for, for various minority groups, including uh, African Americans, Asian Americans, Hispanic Americans, uh, for women. Uh, uh, he, I think, has done a great job during uh, 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 this pandemic to ensure that he put the make sure that people uh, uh, had the ability to uh, receive those PPP funds, which saved uh, uh, the millions of jobs around the country uh, and kept the economy from completely collapsing uh, when we went into the shutdown. 
I think his Operation Warp Speed, which is you know what you've seen in America that you haven't seen in some of those other countries that we saw early on, where people dying in the hospital, the, the, the hospitals with with uh, a lack of ventilators or uh, equipment, uh, he uh, was able to transition very quickly and make sure that every American uh, got the equipment and. Uh, that they needed, and uh, his Operation Warp Speed is literally, you heard him a couple days ago say, we're weeks away from uh, a vaccine and, and some additional therapeutics that will continue to uh, minimize the, the, the impact of COVID. Uh, but, of course, one of the most important things to me is it, it, freedom and liberty, law and order, and uh, the, it, I like the fact how, you know, look at all the wars and conflicts we were in when he became president. And this doesn't get mentioned enough, but, you know, we, we defeated ISIS. We uh, pulled out of a lot of these places. We, he hasn't started any conflicts. As a matter of fact, he's done things that nobody thought was ever possible uh, in, in the Middle East with, with the, the three uh, peace treaties that he signed. Uh, he's gone after and went to bat for the American worker, uh, which it seems like uh, most politicians, including Joe Biden, you know, in, in his vote for NAFTA and everything else, are more than willing to ship away our middle class jobs. Why? Why? Why we suffer? And uh, say, uh, and Donald Trump has gone and fought for more for trade deals that are more friendly to American workers. Because at the end of the day, it's about economic security for individual families and being able to be a good provider for your children. The Democrats are making a big deal about the president's refusal to denounce white supremacy at the last debate. He, Do you yeah, think he's that, made numerous, he's, 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 he's denounced white supremacy numerous times. It's a, uh, uh, he, he walked back, you know, it's a, uh, 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 there's no, listen, people want to say that, Donald Trump is anti-Semitic and racist, and he's done more for the Jewish population moving the capital to Jerusalem uh, and uh, uh, with executive orders, uh, uh, changing the definition of what anti-Semitism is, uh, protecting students across the country uh, from anti-Semitism in terms of African-Americans. Don't forget, he's the first president to provide consistent funding to the historically black colleges. He's uh, helped them with like I said at the beginning of his presidency, with the lowest economic, lowest unemployment rate, and he did more for African Americans and other Americans that were incarcerated uh, with his uh, 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 with his uh, uh, crime package uh, than any president has ever done. And it, it, the reason why all those things are important is nobody gives them, nobody wants to give them enough credit for the successes that he's had. So if you had a guy that was truly racist, he wouldn't be uh, creating opportunities of hope and trying to help uh, with criminal justice reform and, and making sure that people uh, aren't serving more time than they deserve. He's a believer in redemption. Uh, uh, and that's why you're going to see record turnouts and votes for the president uh, uh, from both Hispanic Americans and African Americans. And so, uh, listen, the, the debate could have gone better, uh, but this president, his actions, uh, the, are the reason why, uh, people will continue to vote and support him, uh, because he's done more in 47 months and certainly Joe Biden's done in 47 years, 
but he's truly fighting for the average American out there. And it's a, uh, and I think that shows, uh, and he's done it all while running against the headwinds of the DC swamp and the, the, and the overall mainstream media. Let me tell you the secret weapon of Florida Republicans and why we're going to win. It's a guy named Wilton Simpson and another guy named Chris Sprouse and the, the, the unbelievable amount of money that those guys have raised and spent in some of these swing districts. Uh, you're going to be surprised that we're going to end up winning two congressional seats. Probably we're going to flip two congressional seats. We'll probably flip two state Senate seats, a bunch of state house or a couple of state house seats. And it's a, uh, uh, and this is when, you know, look at the rest of the country, what's happening. We're going to win in Florida. And it's a, uh, and it's a combination of efforts of those two individuals, Donald Trump, the governor, uh, in their relationship and what the president's been able to do for Florida while he's been president. And, uh, and so overall, along with having the strongest grassroots and most data-driven campaign in the history of uh, uh, America, we're sitting in, in literally great shape right now with 35 days to go. You know, the only question I, I really have is sort of a smart-ass one. Um, yeah. <laughs> what's your favorite flavor of Kool-Aid? Uh, <laughs> I'll let you guess. You've been listening to State Senator at Florida GOP Chairman Joe Gruters. And no, I did not guess. A Central Florida congressman is trying to light a fire under FEMA to find out what happened to all the money that was supposed to go to Puerto Rico to help rebuild from Hurricane Maria three years ago. Representative Darren Soto says residents of the island are desperate and they're wondering what happened to the recovery. The devastation of Hurricane Maria continues to wreak havoc on our American brothers and sisters in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico has received less than half of the $42 billion we allocated nearly three years ago. Uh, and uh, that's just an astounding fact along with the, uh, the uh, claims that are outstanding. So these are things we need to continue to work on. Uh, we sent out over a month ago now our concerns uh, to FEMA Director uh, Gaynor with regard to uh, the lack of insurance claims paid. This is part of a broader trend. We see both FEMA and the federal government not paying claims, and we see the private sector. And, you know, I believe that that's linked because when you have companies seeing the federal government not even paying out for a lot of these claims, uh, that sets a bad precedent. And there's not a motivation uh, for companies to then pay as well because people are dragging their feet. The letter was sent out on August 14th. Uh, we're awaiting a response still at this point. Uh, but we know this, people paid into these insurance uh, uh, policies for years. And one, two, three years going by without getting the claims paid is unacceptable. I can't imagine that in our home state of Florida, um, by now there would be uh, lawsuits resolved, people would be getting uh, their claims paid. Not always. Uh, we, we see some in, uh, in hurricanes that can last a few years, but the vast majority of them are paid uh, by that time. And so we're going to continue to work, work with our colleagues in Congress uh, to hold FEMA accountable, even if we have to send 20 letters and have 20 press conferences, uh, because pe real people are counting on this money to rebuild their lives. Uh, so whether it's FEMA, whether it's HUD, uh, whether it's Department of Energy, or whether it's MAPRI or other companies that uh, uh, have had issues, uh, we got to continue to put on the pressure. And hopefully, uh, if we see a change in administration soon, that'll be a lot easier. Uh, but I want to thank everybody for coming together 
uh, on behalf of our brothers and sisters on the island. Uh, we cannot forget them. We must continue to keep them in our thoughts and our actions uh, until we get the money that uh, they have paid into for their policies and that the federal government has put out. The New York Times crunched the numbers for the private insurance carriers and concluded that more than one and one half billion dollars worth of claims are still unpaid three years after the storm. Lizette Santiago is one of the residents who's still waiting on her insurance company. And quite frankly, her timing is terrible. I was born and raised in Florida, and I actually moved to Puerto Rico only a couple of months prior to uh, Hurricanes Irma and Maria devastating this island. And uh, what we suffered here during and post storm is something that I have never felt in years and my entire life living in Florida. Um, as I said, I was born and raised in Florida and Florida has suffered many hurricanes and many storms, but never have I been without the necessary water and electric for months and months on end. Uh, coupled with a lack of supplies on the island and food made it very difficult for us Puerto Ricans here on the island to be able to move forward and even address our plight and our needs for our homes and have our homes start to be mitigated and changed. We have no way and no one to turn to. Um, the Office of the Commissioner isn't really helping us. We're not getting any feedback from them. Um, I personally have put in uh, many complaints and many requests for investigations from the behavior of these insurance companies. And all of that just fell on deaf ears. Our claims aren't resolved. Uh, there's people that are still living in substandard conditions. Um, if you fly into Puerto Rico, you'll see a ton of blue tarps still laying on all over the island. And it's been three years. Santiago is still waiting on her insurance company. Congressman Soto is still waiting on FEMA. Your calendar of events? Well, today is the day the Florida Department of Corrections says it will allow visitors at state prisons again. Visitation was halted in March because of the COVID pandemic. The Board of Medicine meets at 8. State Representative Randy Fine holds a free food distribution event in partnership with FarmShare at 9 in Palm Bay. The Florida Defense Support Task Force meets online at 9. And today is the deadline for state political committees to file reports showing their financial activity through September 25th. And finally today, the stories of a Florida man and a Florida woman that both end up with a trip to jail. A Florida man is busted after a fight over which is better, cow's milk or almond milk. Deputies at the Lee County Sheriff's Office say 30-year-old Justin Garcia was arguing with a cousin over which type of milk is best when things got nasty. The arrest report says Garcia punched his cousin in the head and pulled a knife on him when he tried to fight back. He's charged with aggravated battery. The police report does not say whether Garcia prefers milk from a cow or an almond. So Florida man maintains his air of mystery. And a Florida woman is arrested after asking a Sumter County deputy if he wanted to smoke some pot with her. The officer was doing what's known as a well-being check after he found 50-year-old Constance Polk sitting in her vehicle. The arrest report says the deputy noticed she had some marijuana in the car, and when he mentioned it, she asked if he'd like to join her. Polk also admitted she does not have a medical marijuana card. She does, however, want to get one. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again Monday as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.